With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host of the podcast as well as manager of BT Powerhouse, bringing you all of your Big Ten basketball-related news and analysis. So coming to you here, um, what is it, July 18th, 19th, um, losing track of time as, as the quarantine marches on. I wanted to do a, a brief podcast, just a quick hitter of sorts, just talking a little bit about the recent uh, announcements from the various conferences, from the NCAA, not only in college basketball, but also in the college football world, fall sports world, to just try to put it in a little bit of context as far as where we sit with regard to college basketball season. So just to recap a little bit for those who haven't followed us closely, I'm sure by now, if you're someone who reads uh, about the Big Ten and follows it, you know that the Big Ten announced earlier this month, roughly about a week ago, that it will be canceling all non-conference games for fall sports, uh, most notably for football, which means uh, the football teams were going to play a 12-game regular season as is customary in college football. Three of those games were non-conference games. Those are all going to be eliminated. Numerous games of note there. I know Michigan played at Washington. Michigan State played Miami. Ohio State played Oregon. So we're talking some very notable, some very big games, high profile. Uh, Certainly, we're expected to bring in a lot of revenue in a variety of different ways. So all of those games have been canceled, the non-conference ones. Um, The Big Ten has announced they are going to add an additional conference game, which means ordinarily the Big Ten teams would play nine conference games, five either on the road or at home, and then the inverse four uh, at home or on the road, uh, corresponding. They're now going to play ten, so five at home, five on the road. I presume this is in an effort to make up some of the lost revenue uh, from a TV perspective, um, from an attendance perspective, which we'll get to in a a minute or two. Um, And then additionally, just to give the teams uh, another opportunity to play. You know, now that Big Ten plays really the only thing teams will have going as far as postseason eligibility and um, a variety of other factors, the national championship race, uh, they wanted to add in another game for what I presume to, to help them boost their resumes and profiles. So that was the big one as far as the Big Ten, but there are a few other announcements. For instance, uh, some of the minor leagues, uh, minor leagues, some of the mid-major leagues have already started taking steps to cancel their seasons 
For instance, the Ivy League has announced they're going to cancel their fall sports. In fact, they're not going to do any sports until January 1st at the earliest. Now, for those who listen to this, I'm sure you're aware, college basketball season starts in November. So we're talking about more than a month of the season that the Ivy League teams are effectively lighting on fire and saying, it's not going to happen. Let's get it over with. A couple of other leagues have also done similar things. Um, The mid-majors, no Power 5 conference or the Big East. Any conferences on that level have announced similar cancellations. They have announced cancellation of games. Um, What it looks like at this time is that the majority of the Power 5 leagues, I know the ACC and the uh, Pac-12, along with the Big Ten, have also made that no non-conference games announcement as well. So where we're sitting is overall is we've seen the Power 5s, the SEC and the Big 12 so far have not made similar announcements. We'll see if that changes as we move forward in this coronavirus pandemic. But as of now, it looks like a lot of the Power 5 leagues are cutting their seasons substantially. And then the mid-majors, a lot of them are just starting to cancel fall sports. So a couple reactions to this, a couple of things that people should keep in mind. I know I've talked about this before, usually in the context of the TV deals, you know, Big Ten when it moved to Fox. I remember I had a long podcast about that a couple years back. Um, But generally speaking, if you're not aware of it, football is by far the biggest moneymaker in college sports and certainly in the Big Ten. Football is the, uh, the behemoth that funds these athletic departments. It's the thing that keeps a lot of the sports afloat. And for context, um, you know, to use Michigan as an example, and I realize Michigan's football program is, is one of the biggest in terms of revenue, but just to keep things in perspective, basically the entire college basketball season nets Michigan's athletic department the equivalent of a home game. Uh, so that should put in context for people what kind of gap we're talking about when it comes to football versus basketball, let alone the other sports, which most college sports are revenue negative, meaning that they lose money. Um, there are exceptions to that rule. You know, certain programs, um, I'm sure there are, you know, are some baseball teams or some softball teams out there that, that make money, um, varying by the school, by the region, all that type of stuff. But overall, the big sports, college football is the biggest, then college basketball. Um, both men and women's usually make money. Certainly the men's teams do. Um, and then you have a lot of sports that, generally speaking, lose money with minor exceptions. So the reason I, I preface with, with all of those statements is to say this is really, really big. The conferences, specifically the Power Five conferences and even the minor uh, mid-major conferences would not be canceling big non-conference games in their biggest moneymaker uh, sport unless they had very good reason to. So by effect here, what I'm essentially saying is they're very worried that this is not going to happen. They're very worried that this thing is going to go off the rails. And I mean, for anybody who's followed the news over the last couple of weeks, the case numbers are seem to be back where they were in March when this all 
one off the rails to begin with. So I understand why they would be concerned. I understand why they would be skeptical. And ultimately, what, what that leaves us with is a lot of uncertainty about fall sports. And I know a lot of people have been giving their odds about, you know, do you think it's going to happen? Do you think we're going to get a shortened schedule, blah, blah, blah. At this point, I think the college football teams are going to give it a go. And when I say the college football teams, I mean the power five. I don't think we're going to get any mid-major level college football. That's my prediction. And the reason I say that uh, is twofold. First off, they don't have the same resources as the power five schools. You know, for instance, if you take a Mac school or an Ivy League school or some of those, they don't have the ability to do essentially unlimited testing of athletes to ensure that you're not having to spread on the team, you're not having to spread through the coaching staff, stuff like that. So that's that's the first thing that I, I think makes a difference between the, the Power 5 level and the mid-major level. And then secondly, and perhaps most significantly, is there's just way more money on the line for these Power 5 schools. I mean, I mentioned earlier, a lot of these mid-major college football leagues, they may lose money if they make money at all. Um, a, lot, a lot of them are, are likely, uh, you know, making a very, very small amount. Um, a lot of them are probably losing money um, or just holding their heads above water, depending on the league, depending on the team. Those schools are not really going to have an incentive. And I hate to boil it down to as much as money, but that is how a lot of these athletic directors are going to be thinking um, with huge deficits on the way. I mean, we already lost the March uh, madness tournaments. That's a huge, huge hunk of TV revenue that uh, the college athletic departments are losing. So there's going to be a big money crunch <laughs> at a lot of these athletic departments. And the athletic departments, I don't care what they say, we all know the directors are going to be thinking of bottom line revenue, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm expecting at this point most of the mid-major uh, fall sports are just not going to happen at all through at least November. Frankly, I think it's going to be like the Ivy League with January. And then I think the Power Five, um, they're going to give it a go. And I honestly think they would cancel everything but football if they could get away with it. But obviously that would look horrible for their <laughs> status of this student-athlete system. And when they pretend to that all the sports are equivalent in their eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my guess is, you know, the Big Ten schools, they would love to cancel all the, <laughs> the minor sports this year in the fall, move them all to the spring or something like that, and just try to play football. That's not going to happen. I think they're going to give it a shot. I think they're going to try to play these rescheduled conference games. And my gut is I don't think this is going to end up happening. I think things are going to go off the rails. And I, I say that for a couple of reasons. The Big Ten has eliminated a lot of the uncertainty by keeping it within its own conference. So you're all going to have the same testing protocols. You're all going to have the same facility pro protocols, all of that type of thing. However, we still have yet to hear even the most basic questions answered. And I understand why media days were canceled. I understand why a lot of this stuff was canceled. And I know some of the coaches have done a really good job of trying to be available to the media. But the answers we have gotten have been thoroughly underwhelming in my eyes. 
And for instance, just, just to provide a, a few examples of what I'm talking about. So let, let's talk about uh, college football. And again, this is we're all we're going to get to college basketball here uh, in a minute or two. But let's talk about college football as far as the game. Let's say Illinois plays against Purdue week one. Let's say Illinois, every player uh, tests negative or the players that test positive are held out. Same with Purdue. So we go into the game. We think we have a clean slate. They're all going to play together. The day after, the Illinois offensive center tests positive. What do you have to do? Because the protocol is if you test positive and uh, other people know they've interacted with somebody who tests positive, you're supposed to self-quarantine for, generally speaking, 10 to 14 days. And usually it's you need two negative coronavirus tests before you're released. Okay, well, who gets quarantined now? Does every offensive player on Illinois have to sit out for the next 10, basically effectively two weeks? Um, because I don't think the Big Ten's going to be spacing out games once a month. I think they're going to be once a week, as they typically are in college football. So how, how do you handle that? And then Purdue, does every defensive lineman have to sit out? If they have tape that he blocked a linebacker, do they have to sit out? I mean... There's a lot of questions on this front that I, I don't think have been answered. I mean, this is the most basic level of issue versus, you know, what if they, a player, that same center, he doesn't test positive, but they know a day before they learn, oh, he was hanging out with his brother who tested positive for COVID-19. Does he have to sit out? And until he gets that negative test, does everybody else have to sit out from practice, etc., all the way down the line, everybody who interacted with them. I mean, you can quickly see how this <laughs> spirals. And my, my understanding, at least how I see it right now, is basically they're going to let them play unless they test positive. I don't think they're going to go as intensely as the stuff I was just describing. But my question is, why aren't they <laughs> why how is this going to work and i mean we've seen the numbers with college kids spike tremendously over the last month or two so i'm i'm very pessimistic about this and spinning on top of that i mean what happens if this is a a high end player that they need or what if the head coach tests positive i mean does he have to can he still come to the game but has to seclude himself in the stands or something i i don't know I mean, a lot of these things seem wishy-washy to me. I haven't seen how any satisfactory answers as far as solving this. And moreover, um, we're, you know, we're not talking about professional athletes here. We're talking about college students, at least in the NCAA's eyes, uh, playing games. So I, I think answering these basic safety questions are very, very legitimate and called for. And I don't think we've gotten them, which... Leads me to what I was saying earlier, why I'm pessimistic that this is actually going to happen. I think they're going to try it. I think they're going to go through training camp, keep sending people out, and then the games are going to happen. Um, if this happens, I wouldn't be shocked if we have to see teams forfeit and key players miss games, coaches miss games, all this kind of stuff. I don't know what the solution is because 
the NCAA and Big Ten seem to have no plan that they've at least laid out publicly as far as how they're going to do this. So maybe that will change here in the next couple of weeks. I certainly hope so. But that that's kind of how I see that. Which leads us to um, the next layer, which is college basketball. So if college football is up in the air we have major questions about whether it's going to happen we still have yet to receive basic answers as far as how it's going to happen if it is how is college basketball going to work and the first layer of this uh obviously is the seasons overlap (laughs) college football generally the height of the season is in november through thanksgiving weekend um and then there are various postseason games after that college basketball tips off in november we get the thanksgiving tournaments we get the champions classic we get um, all of those types of events in early december we're already into the big 10 acc challenge so there's a lot sitting there that overlaps directly with college football and it's basically it's regular season setup so the natural question is if it's unsafe for college football we can't handle it how can we handle college basketball so i think that that's the first reason why fans should be paying attention to these type of announcements the second is you know what happens to the schedule if all the mid-majors are canceling uh their seasons through january if not later because a lot of the non-conference schedules rely on games against those types of opponents i mean I want to say at least one or two Big Ten teams. We, we, you know, we're still gradually getting scheduling announcements, but we're scheduled against Ivy League teams or we're expected to this season. Um, are those games going to happen just in February or March? Or how is that going to work? So there are a lot of questions on that front, um, which is why you know people should be paying attention to what's going on with football. People should be paying attention to what goes on with these mid-majors because it more more than likely means we're probably going to get a shortened season season if not uh, a delayed start or um, I don't want to go as far as to say cancellation we're way too far away from anything like that but uh, these are all important things to keep in mind Um, the one one thing I I did want to hit on though is the reason why you should at least take everything that happens with football and fall sports with a grain of salt is because college basketball is different than college football for for a few reasons, and um, I I'm plan- I believe I posted an article to the the website uh, about this on btpowerhouse.com. But um, a lot of this is obvious for fans who you know are familiar with both. But uh, think about this: the the first is we're dealing with far fewer people. There are far fewer fans. Um, or excuse me. I'll get to attendance in a second, I guess. Uh, Players, coaches, I mean, we're talking about... you. I think most college teams, if they really needed to, could probably get away with less than 25 people at a game. If they really had to, really had to dial things back. A college football team, you're talking about 100 (laughs) apiece. So you're talking about literally a quarter of the size, um, which makes things easier to control makes things easier to test and it also significantly lowers the threat of some sort of community spread community outbreak because we're only dealing with 25 to 50 people instead of 200 at minimum 
So I think though that's a big, big thing in favor of college basketball. The sport is also way more flexible. You can move games, you can postpone, you can delay because you can play back-to-back <laughs> games. You can play every other night. You can play every two, three nights versus football where, generally speaking, with few exceptions, it's a once-a-week type of sport, maybe every six days, something like that. But uh, ultimately, it's a sport that is very inflexible in its scheduling. Uh, it takes a lot to, to move, to travel, to do things like that, that college basketball just doesn't have. So, I mean, I think those are, those are big, big positives because um, I think you could play a compact schedule. I mean, the Big Ten did it a couple of years, maybe not as compact as we're talking about now, but a couple of years ago when the Big Ten played in Madison Square Garden, they played a compacted Big Ten conference schedule. And we heard a lot of whining about it and uh, rightfully so. It, it was pretty smushed together. Um, but ultimately, it, it turned out just fine. Uh, and if they have to do something like that again to try to get a conference season in, to get some of these non-conference games in, I think most coaches and players would be perfectly fine with that if it meant having a season or leaving certain dates open um, to reschedule games if one team has too many positives, things of that nature. So a lot of those lean in favor of it. So that's the one big or the big grains of salt you should keep on your shoulder as you're reading uh, the college football stuff. But overall, uh, obviously, it's not good news <laughs> for college sports. Um, it's not good news for college basketball. Uh, These, excuse me, recent announcements. I, as I said, I'm pessimistic about small fall sports happening. I still would say I'm optimistic about college basketball, but my my gut here thinks that we're probably going to have to wait to see a college basketball game until 2021. That's what I'm sort of thinking at this point. We'll see as time goes on, um, but that's sort of where I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, uh, which probably isn't welcome news for a lot of people. And I know I've tried to make this podcast uh, avoid this this topic because I know this is all anybody hears about nonstop anyway, but I felt like the time had come where we needed to at least get some of this stuff out on the table, discuss it a little bit, um, and move on. So overall, some negative developments, uh, but as of now, the college basketball season remains uh, on track, on schedule. We'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks and months, uh, but uh, we'll stay tuned, I, I guess. Uh, so overall, yeah, I, like I said, I, I wanted to hit on that. And the last thing I wanted to touch on was this attendance issue, uh, which I've mentioned a few times. The college football uh, teams, some of them have made announcements. Some of them are, are still sitting uh, or standing pat as far as this. But I think it's safe to say we are not going to be seeing crowds of 100,000, 80,000 plus uh, in any Big Ten stadium this year. I know I've, I saw Michigan did a release suggesting that uh, maybe it would be, uh, well, they've, they've canceled season tickets. I've seen rumors suggest, I should clarify, I don't think this was in the release, uh, rumors suggest that attendance might be somewhere around 20%. Um, the one positive for college basketball fans is, uh, 
that basically is the size of a college basketball arena. Um, so maybe we're not as far off from having college basketball crowds as we think. However, it's indoors. It's going to be in the height of flu season in the winter uh, for college basketball games. So that's obviously a negative. So something to keep an eye on as well moving forward. Um, so like I said, I wanted to do a little bit of a quick hitter hit on this type of stuff. Um, as always, check out btpowerhouse.com. Uh, I'm Thomas Bendit. Follow me on Twitter at tbendit. We'll keep you closely updated as this stuff continues on. Thank you uh, all for, for following us, for reading our stuff. Um, we'll, we'll try to get another podcast out shortly. Uh, wish it was more uplifting, <laughs> but we'll see you all next time.